Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. listeners around the world on radio streaming and podcast services this is it's not therapy i'm liana kersner and i am not a therapist but i am your source for practical advice for everyday problems using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self this episode i'm experimenting with a new format and i'm going to introduce you to some people who are really important to me you're going to meet the bubbleheads. what what are bubbleheads? okay Bubbleheads are the facilitators in the It's Not Therapy community who run group workshops. And right now we're going to do a group chat about a topic that affects everybody in one way or another. Beating yourself up. Now, more on that. But first, introductions. Today, we're starting with Akila, who you may recognize from the other content on my YouTube channel, Three Women Talking, Akila. Um, introduce yourself really briefly, Akila. Welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, Liana. Um, I'm a 13 year veteran of the U.S. Army. I was my last assignment was as a 46 Quebec or a public affairs NCO, and uh, I now work uh, professionally in uh, public relations. And I live in the southeastern U.S. and I happen to be trans. All right. Next is Jake the Great. <laughs> what we're calling him for this. Uh, Jake, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. I am just scraping 30, but I'm still on the right side. So are I. I am a gay man who works in the civil service and have been working with LGBT groups and autistic groups for the last 10 years. Uh, doing social skills, doing support for just dealing with the general public and things along that nature. And uh, I've also been working with Liana in her um, Liana Care services for quite a while now. And she's been great. She's helped me deal with a lot of different issues and also pull my head on my ass. So I really appreciate it. Bring out your inner Peter Parker. I yes. Uh, you might hear from Jake's guinea pigs as well. They are scurrying around and we like that sort of thing. So if you hear crashing or whooping or that isn't a, well, I guess it is a wild party. Yeah. So instead of blaming the dogs, we're going to blame the guineas. Uh, yeah. Up next is my beloved Moi Moi. Um, Moi <laughs> is a force of nature. Moi, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm. my name is Moi. Um, uh, I'm a 
little Gen Zer who just went through the one part of the internet and came out to the other, and now I'm like all things at once. Uh, I'm just chronically on the internet, and that's why I found Liana. Uh, and I'm uh, an artist and both uh, an amateur sex worker for the gay male crowd. Uh, that aside, I'm also into introspection, philosophy, and self-improvement. Uh, things that I bring me so much joy. So I love talking about it and sharing my journey with everybody. Um, within, hopefully that inspires everybody with their own journey. Uh, so yeah, um, that's me. And uh, Moy is also a really, really great artist as well as our final panelist. People who follow my content will be no stranger to uh, Mary Jest, my co-developer on Song of Sparkle Muffin, but I'll let him introduce my, himself because we joke that we are the Lutes twins, but he is Robert. I am Rosalind. He is the extrovert. I am not. So Mary Jest, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Mary Jest. I'm originally from South America. I am gay. I'm a professional opera singer. Uh, also, occasionally a Chaos Goblin and Pope of the Church of Carol Channing. <laughs> That says everything we really need to know. Okay, so today we're talking about uh, a topic that was by far the most popular I offered to the community, which surprised me, but I think that says more about me than anybody else because everybody I mentioned that to went, well, of course. All right, I'm prepared to be educated here. I want to talk about personal experiences with beating ourselves up and it has its place sometimes we need to do it and get over it but I want to talk about challenges first instead of solutions because I don't want anybody to feel like we think we have it all figured out and you don't so Mary just how do you tend to beat yourself up um and briefly what you do about it but don't get too much into that because we're going to do that in the next round right so one of and this is of course I'm pretty sure this will be very, a very common thing for people. If you have a, a perfectionist streak or at any point you have a high standard of what you want to do or how you want to, you know, come across or behave yourself, then beating yourself up is going to probably be the first thing you do the moment you make a mistake. And for example, as you know, I'm an, I'm an opera singer, but I had I was one of those people kind of cursed with having a weird voice. I didn't have a voice that quite exactly went in one category or the next within a tenor voice. And for decades, I want to say, well, a decade or so, teachers didn't know what to do with my voice. I didn't know what to do with my voice. And I would listen to all of these great singers. And I would constantly start, you know, I started going, well, you know, I can't do this. I can't do what other people my age do, because that's also another thing where we start being ourselves up because we start comparing ourselves to our peers. Um, and which is which is a recipe for psychological torture, self-torture. Uh, so you, you immediately start going, well, you know, maybe... Maybe it's not an issue of my teachers. Maybe it's not an issue with this or that. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And so, of course, you start going, well, that means I'll never be able to actually accomplish this. I'm not good at this. What am I thinking? Why the hell do I even think I deserve to have this? And, you know, the beatings continue, but morale does not improve. <laughs> uh, but it also, it, it also, 
you know, it also goes on to other fields as well. Like, you know, I, I do art and, um, you know, I look at what other people do with their art and I go, I can't do that. I must be slap, 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 whip, whip, whip. Um, and it ultimately kind of ends up into this, this malaise, this morass of uh, where you're dissatisfied with everything about yourself, because it's not just it doesn't always stay compartmentalized, does it? It always starts, it's like the nothing. It spreads throughout you. And pretty soon it just grabs a hold of you. And so not to get too far into what I do, actually didn't really start getting good at this until actually right before the pandemic, I had beaten myself up just so much. And I had gotten so demoralized at one point um, that I basically kind of went, you know, why should why should I even care? And I started reading some uh, reading stoicism, and there was a shift in perspective that happened that we'll talk about that later for me that started helping me a lot with this. And yes, of course, we are human, so. I still fall into that sometimes when I, you know, it doesn't happen so much with my voice nowadays because I think I've gotten, I had a breakthrough and technically I've kind of gotten very close to where I wanted to be, but my art still has issues. And of course I go in with expecting to draw something and it doesn't quite come out the way I wanted to. And that's when I have to really watch myself because then I will go, well, I haven't really gotten that much better. It's going to be terrible. Why do I even do this? I just left since Carol Channing. But um, <laughs> apparently Carol Channing is my inner, my inner punishment voice. But, and so I have to be very vigilant um, because yes, it's okay to have a little criticism up here, a little objective criticism mm -hmm. of yourself. You know, you, you can look at your art and go, you know, my line art here needs some work. I need to maybe practice, you know, get some freedom going in, but you have to be careful. Otherwise you're going to start, I'm not a good artist. I'll never be a good artist. And the ruminations begin. Right now I have to do this because I've been holding it in ever since you said the nothing, the <laughs> never ending story. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Okay, we did the Stranger Things thing. Awesome. Okay, okay, I feel better now. Okay, boy, uh, what are your experiences with beating yourself up, and what can you add? Because you're you're an artist too. You're you do a bunch of stuff, so I'm sure a lot of what Mary just said you can relate to. Totally. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey for me to um finding what that having the worth in beating myself up is if there's any right i work for me primarily with the um my moral system and seems like okay um sometimes i i really uh when people to, um share about their beating themselves experiences they're using different words that i don't use for myself so mm -hmm. i know i'm a particular case like i don't call myself stupid gross or worthless i call myself like very different words that you know uh makes help getting uh harder right like, like uh, what like unkind inconsistent and uh unconfident when i when i actually feel very mm. confident about many things uh so yeah those are the words those are the words that i used to beat myself up um if if i'm beating myself up it's like okay well if i have this 
higher idea of myself and it's um is it worth for me to sort of listen to the voice a little bit and sort of disconnect from the world i think when we beat ourselves up it, it's like a very social thing of like who we are in the world and how we are not worthy to the people around us and i view the uh the world as bubbles like every single group or everything is a little bubble so in i know some bubbles i'm I, I don't feel I beat myself up up more than others. So I tend to disconnect a lot and I tend to like go inwards. I'm a very inward person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very sensitive. I'm very, very sensitive. Uh, and I like to admit that because I know most guys that I know won't. Um, and I try to, because they're all social bubbles, I try to communicate that I'm beating myself up to them and mm-hmm. see if they can see me. That's another thing. I, a lot of, times when we beat ourselves up is because we're not being um we're not being seen for our faults so i that seemed really important to me is like who out there really sees me and mm. that makes it the pain less it's like okay if i'm being seen then i it's i, I feel this encouraged to beat myself up because someone else that sees me is taking care of me right i have an inner circle so like very specific people that like are my ride on die like they know everything about me they will know everything about me um, so they, when I feel like I'm sharing that with others, like, you know, any, uh, you know, deep wrenching feelings, I almost like I'm take, I'm giving them away, but I give them away within this like concentrated like space. So I, I feel less heavy about it. So yeah. you're beating yourself up comes from a sense that you're getting, like you said, you disconnect it mm-hmm. it's connected to community and a lack thereof and and feeling i mean the one uh the one pillar of how people tend to beat themselves up we'll get into this in a bit that you said i that you left out from the list was peculiarity and it sounds like that is where you're beating yourself up mm-hmm. in habits it's totally. like I'm weird i don't belong all that stuff all right that music means we need to take our first break we'll be back with more of our bubble heads and talking about beating ourselves up after this if you have a question inspired by this fill out the contact form on nottherapyshow.com we'll be announcing the first of our bubblehead workshops that you can participate in in the coming weeks but for now just stay tuned more discussion to follow after this break on it's not therapy stream us live at saga960am.ca The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on Instead Therapy. I'm still Leanna Kersner. I'm still not a therapist. I'm not alone this week. I'm here with the Bubbleheads, my facilitators for the It's Not Therapy community. We call our group workshops Bubbles. And we're gonna pick up before we've left off before the break, talking about beating ourselves up. Well, I try to make my mouth start working. Okay, <laughs> moving on to to Jake. Now, Jake, you're 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 a Peter Parker. Peter Parker is sort of the epitome of someone who beats themselves up in an internal monologue where everybody can see it, and that's why we love Spider Man. So, no pressure, Jake the Great, <laughs> but I expect great things from you here. <laughs> yeah, have at it. Well, actually, in great relation to Peter Parker in itself is beating yourself up because of undue responsibility inflicted on you in a young age. Um, I was a carer for my disabled mother from the age of six, Mm -hmm. and I had to bring up my younger sister too, because my dad's a 
well, I can't swear. I think this is radio, isn't it? So uh, we can bleep is... it. Swear. <laughs> <laughs> no, make it an acronym. That's gonna be a really long bleep. Yeah. What would that be? No. That'd be a a comma. <laughs> <laughs> if you but, add vowels i just did a hebrew thing we just yep. put the vowels in to c-m-f-f okay come yeah. there we go yeah pretty much uh he was a horrible person never uh, he married my mother because she got pregnant with me and after she had her car accident while also with me pretty much just abandoned us mm-hmm. uh no responsibility and I would honestly have said I wouldn't actually have faulted him if he hadn't have made my mom's life hell beforehand. Uh, sorry, I'm just shitting on my dad here, but yeah, you know he deserves it. Uh, <laughs> but well, yeah, this is so... about beating oneself up, not beating other people up. Have yeah. at it. I will impact <laughs> this on my part too. Go ahead. You will not best me here. <laughs> <laughs> but with it, and because I had such unresponsibility, I took on so much of the housework and the emotional care of my mother having to be pretty much a parental figure to my sister and with no support because our social support system is so flawed if you don't have a person to talk to already you can't get someone Mm -hmm. so between the age of six to 16 i was in charge of medication i was in charge of all hospital appointments organizing care for my sister whenever i had to be in the hospital with my mother and Every injury that she took part, falling over a wheelchair, slipping on the floor, my fault. Why couldn't I have seen that further? Why did she have to wait for her medication? She's in pain now. My sister's feeling in her in this class and it's my fault. I'm not spending enough time with her, getting her homework done. And of course, then my own personal stuff, I got sick. At like the mm-hmm. age of 13, I had um, what's called streptococcal virus and glandular fever at the same time. Pr- if you ever look that up, don't. I'm just going to say, you know, it doesn't paint pretty pictures. My tonsils were a new form of life form. Um, Wasn't pretty, but in the end, it kind of let, that was kind of led on by the amount of personal abuse I was doing to myself. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think that whenever self-talk, whenever you go bad and when you're going, you know, you're worthless, you're, un- you're unkind, as Moises said, and things of that nature... It leads to self-harm. Mm-hmm. That's usually the general you know, understanding of it. It doesn't always. It, you may not even get that chance. Your own body may just give up mm-hmm. because of the amount of undue stress. You just don't get the chance. I actually still remember thinking about it. And the next day I passed out in the middle of an English class, which made yeah. me the coolest person in my class because it was in the middle of doing a oral exam about Shakespeare and it got cancelled because <laughs> I passed out <laughs> in my chair, literally woke up on the floor and the teacher went, all right, everyone get out. Nurse needs to come in. And everyone loved me for the rest of the day that day. But <laughs> I had a bit of light to it. But even so, um, something that I actually agree with Moises as well is that it's not always you're stupid, you're you're dumb, you're doing this, you're a horrible person. It's, you're just not enough. Yeah. You should be doing more. Mm-hmm. You need to do more. Why can't you do this? Why are you wasting your time? You shouldn't mm-hmm. be playing video games. You should be studying because you only have five minutes left of your day before you've got a hundred other things to do. You should be spending that time studying and that type of thing. And I do find more that I talk to people online because I actually dived into the right-wing red pill thing when I was mm. roughly about 18 to 20 and oh. thankfully came out of it because uh, 
I'm going to name him Ben Shapiro proved himself to be the asshole that he was. Uh, <laughs> ben Shapiro did something good, everybody. <laughs> well, it's I loved it. I, I really have to admit, even for most of us, watching the SJW rips, you know, just the ones where people are absolutely freaking out mm. and watching someone own them in like five seconds and then you've got the glasses fall down on their face and all. Those are funny. But there comes to be a point when you're just like, actually, no, you're just being cruel to these poor people who you've wind up beforehand. And it was those type of things that just let me out of it. But I saw in those communities so many people who were given a responsibility and no understanding of how to succeed in it. You need mm-hmm. to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Like for myself, I learned how to do washing and cooking and all that type of stuff from a young age. Mm-hmm. I know people my age are almost scraping 30 who still have no idea how to work the washing machine in their own house. That yep. is the partner's job. And if they ever left, they're screwed. Yeah, And I feel it, that kind of adds to it in a way. Dumping responsibility with no actual recourse to actually figure it out. Yeah, I think that was something that shocked a lot of people during COVID is the statistics on people, uh, you know, you're in, and, and Moise age, who couldn't cook. Like yeah. basic cooking, couldn't cook. There were some, anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't derail, don't derail. Focus, focus, moderate. Okay, Akila, what's, I mean, you've got a really, it really specific history. So I'm really curious to how you're going to, where you're going to even begin on this regarding beating yourself up. Take us on a journey. Well, we're, we're going to start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a former gifted kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, from a very young age, I understood things way beyond my age range. Um, I was able to kind of put things into perspective. So, uh, 1984 was the first election, American presidential election that I remember. I was nine years old. And I was able to make connections between policy ideas Mm -hmm. and outcomes. Mm -hmm. And then about six years after that, um, I started my um, love affair, air quotes, uh, with complex PTSD. So at the age of 15, I was uh, I physically attacked for not being black enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going through male puberty um, and I really didn't want to. And then a few years after that, uh, I piled onto that. Uh, my father's PTSD after going to Mogadishu, Somalia around the time when Black Hawk Down happened. In fact, he was in country when that went down. Uh, Add to that, uh, I was biracial. My mother is Black, my father is not. Um, Jake, uh, my father used to be a uh, red-headed Irishman. (laughs) Everybody has gingers. Everybody has uh, red hair. Okay, the final piece (laughs) lands, yeah. Um, So then... Oh boy. So let me actually just kind of bring this back. So I learn, I pick things up very, very quickly, mm-hmm. but then I plateau very, really hard. 
Okay. Um, so I have, you know, I have all of these expect expectations built up from, you know, a very quick learning curve. And then once I hit the plateau, it's like, well, why aren't you, why aren't you better? Why aren't you better? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I I'm, you know, an artist, but I'm not an artist like, uh, Moitronics or Mary Jest. Uh, I'm a photographer. Mm -hmm. Now the photography has been the one thing that has bucked the trend. I'm still on that really steep learning curve. Uh, and I'm 17 years in. <laughs> Photography's tough. Your photography's beautiful. It's tough. I do get beat up by, or other people try to beat me up, but that's a different story. Um, and that kind of leads into how I deal with beating myself up. Mm -hmm. um, I, my trick to get off of the failure spiral is to say, okay, you failed. It's not really a complete failure unless there's nothing to learn from the mistake. Right. As long as I can learn something and move myself incrementally forward, even if it's just, you know, a half a step, it's not a complete failure. It's a mistake. It's a setback. Right. It's never uh, a failure. But it wasn't always like that. I mm -hmm. beat myself up for being the wrong gender. Because um, I only started uh, transitioning, what, late, I mean, when I say late, my first dose of hormones was Christmas Eve 2020. Okay. Um, there was a lot of beating up, and I had to learn things the hard way. And, you know, then let's see, uh, adding to the complex PTSD, there was, uh, you know, a lot of the the racism that I experienced in my early days of college, yeah. not from white people, but from black people. Um, and then my, uh, my ex-wife who was amazingly abusive, mm -hmm. uh, in a psychological way. Uh, and that was 20 plus years ago and I'm still trying to claw my way back completely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, colorism's so, rough. Oh and yeah, it's, it it's a little understood. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I got my issues. I haven't solved all of them. I don't think I'm going to. I'm probably going to take a lot of this to the to the grave, and I had to make peace with that. Mm -hmm. And that's the best but, thing, actually. I love. Oh that. yeah, I, I I that's a perfect. Uh, say, and I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and not share my stuff. I mean, people know my stuff because I talk about it all the time. But that means it means we have to go to a break. So, pausing on the sharing. When we come back, why I beat myself up. Some more about me. If any of this has inspired a question, comment, anything like that, you can email me, Leanna at Not Therapy Show, or contact form NotTherapyShow.com, or just hang in after the break. We'll be right back talking beating ourselves up on it's not therapy. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca.
We're back on It's Not Therapy. I'm still Leanna Kersner, and it is we this week. I have my facilitators from the It's Not Therapy community, my bubbleheads here, roundtable discussion. We're talking beating ourselves up, why we do it, and how to stop it. Now, before the break, we touched on terms and types of beating oneself up. There are four main ways that people sort of beat themselves up. Uh, Peculiarity, worthlessness, depravity, stupidity. Um, And by the time I was six, I was doing all of those things to myself. And it was ultimately, well, you're stupid, you're weird. There's something gross with you, therefore you're worthless. And um, when I was six, it started before that. I was a strange kid from birth. Um, but by the, when I was six, uh, a very good friend of mine, my girliest friend, um, died in the Air India 182 bombing. And we did a tree planting ceremony at the school, the next, the next school year that I actually spoke at. Yes. I delivered my first eulogy when I was six, but the way the other kids constructed this narrative about her she was smoking in the bathroom while the plane was going down there's proof of this as a kid I'm like oh my god how did they know and then I realized wait a minute they don't they made up a story to make an act of terrorism her fault Mm. right but at the time that really messes with you the challenger blowing up while we were watching it in school the the challenger launch um that happened when I was a kid and this was all before I hit gifted now, I was a special case, special in air quotes, in that I went from grade one to grade three gifted. Mm-hmm. I was big nerd. Uh, there's a reason that I looked up to characters like Lionel at that time, you know, a guy who was both an adult and a kid at the exact same time who had all this responsibility dumped on him when he was, what, about 15 years old, 14 years old, mentally? Yep. Um, Because his, his cryogenic pod malfunctioned, so he <laughs> aged physically, but not mentally or emotionally. Um, but I was just on my own with gifted. They gave no assistance to, to uh, bridge the skills gap. Cause I literally was not taught a lot of the math that we were drilled on mercilessly in class in the third grade. So yeah, no bridge grade. between first to third grade. There's none of the second just to even catch up on. What, what do you learn in the second grade? Multiplication and division. So mm-hmm. I'm nine years. No, I was seven years old because six, seven, grade two. I was seven years old, plunked multiplication and division drills down in front of me and just expected to figure it out there. Oh, we are the Timed, same. graded, right? So I got the idea. I'm I'm in the gifted program. I went from grade one to three because they were afraid I'd get bored in the second grade. And I had the self image that I was stupid because of the Uh, way it was handled. I was already weird because little did I know that going, oh, Lionel's like me when I'm six makes me a furry. I didn't know what furries were. My other role model at the time was Beast from X-Men. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because <laughs> he read upside down while reading books. And this is when people go, Leanna, these are both guys. This was not a difference to me. And then as uh-huh. I get older, my inner voice is somewhere between Billy Butcher from the boys, which is why when Jake was like, you know, I don't want to swear. I'm like, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then 
Kratos. We all joke about how my inner voice is Kratos. And obviously, this is not what someone assigned female at birth does. And there is so much pressure to pick sides with mm. everything. And I just don't do that. I'm like, I don't want to put a bunch of labels on myself and the stigma that comes with that of having to conform, to think a right way, to act a right way, to be a right way, really, really beat the, we'll say snot out of me just because it's gross. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, until, you know, I get to adulthood, had a nasty run-in with a stalker. And this is the short version um, mm -hmm. of of uh, the story, but it all sort of fell apart when I wasn't believed by a cop mm. that I was I was being stalked. And there was a weird, um, there was a loophole in the law where uh, because the jurisdictions don't talk to each other and one uh, one event happened in the city of Toronto, the other event happened in York region, legally they didn't recognize a pattern of behavior. Um, and I ended up getting yelled at so loudly over the phone by a, a female police officer at, at two division in York region that I was holding the phone out to my ear, people could hear the cop yelling at me uh, across the room. She was yeah. so loud. Now, when you file a complaint against a police officer in New York region, they take the complaint. The sergeant talks to the cop before they speak to you. Yeah. So by the time the sergeant spoke to me, he had already got all the ammunition in, in his quiver to shut me up and say why it was my fault. And I I was prepared because I'd been in media. I skipped all that beating oneself up, all the art stuff, because it'll come up. But I remember saying to them, because I was prepared to not be believed. I was mm -hmm. primed for that. I was expecting it. My whole goal in reporting the stalking, and I told everybody this, I want there to be a record of this. So the next time she does it, it's not the first time. Yeah. There is something here. She's in the system because she's going to do it again. And sure enough, she did. Uh, she yeah. ended up going to jail uh, and ending up with a record and, and, and with, you know, probation suspended sentence for another thing. Um, but I remember the cop of uh, me saying, what is it going to take for me to go back to you guys? What do you need to do something about this? And this sergeant at two division in York region said, well, if she walked up to you in a room full of people and punched you in the face, that would be great. And I said, excuse me, isn't, aren't stalking laws supposed to prevent assault? That's not criminal harassment anymore. That's battery. Yeah. Oh, like I, I didn't, I didn't sputter, 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 but he said it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at that point, like you want to feel utterly worthless as a human get that from someone who is supposed to be protecting people, right? Yes, yeah, someone of authority. Yeah, who is supposed to believe you, is supposed to be sensitive. I did not, and that just collapsed all my ability to fight off all the beating up, beady uppy sticks, as I called them in my brain. <laughs> um, and that was the beginning of my journey. I, I couldn't even get a firm 
CPS, CPTSD diagnosis. I was diagnosed with, with PTS, but CPTS, they couldn't quite figure out one, my coping and masking and my, my skills were so intense because of a lifetime in entertainment, but mm. two, that acute trauma was so intense that that's what they went for. Mm. Right. So even the complexity of the trauma was invalidated and um, that, that began my fascination with mental health, environmental mm -hmm. stuff with mental health and so on and so forth. And this is where I want to pivot now that everybody's like, oh my God, right? <laughs> um, I One of my tactics, and this is not for everybody. If someone wants to self-identify as a victim and it makes them feel like they can get their arms around it and regain control, awesome. I was a mess stuck in victimhood. After that, it was like, I'm broken. I'm, I'm, uh, tarnished. Thanks, Elden Ring. Um, I, uh, the, it's never going to be good again. Right. There's no pathway. Everything I was seeing in the media. Oh, and this happens to you. You're the, the day player in a crime, in a, in a crime procedural, um, your story only exists to advance the narratives of you're gone. That's it. Yeah. There's no path back. Right. And then I played God of War 2. God of War 2, the original God of War. Anyway, it was one. I was sitting there with my new kitten, Delilah, at the time. This was years ago. Delilah's passed on by now. But um, playing this game where you stabbed a Hydra in all three heads with a giant spiked piston using a winch. And there was blood all over the place. And I was laughing hysterically. Uh, I thought this was the greatest thing ever. That, oh, no, it was the first game because the first time we see Kratos, even before that, he throws himself off a cliff mm -hmm. trying to unalive himself. Yeah, right? that's the and first God of War, yeah. The first God of War. And it was the pinnacle of his trauma. And in every God of War game, there's some scene about somebody climbing out of an underworld and people trying to pull him back down. I'm like, that, that's it. That's how I feel. And so it's like, I'm not a victim. I'm Kratos. And I started identifying with this guy who was taken over by the gods to do all this bad stuff. He killed his wife. He killed his daughter. But we're still identifying. He still has worth. Um, I can be that. And yes, it's a very muscular dude with a beard. Maybe I can't do that literally. <laughs> but the inner embodiment... I can do that. And uh, Moy, I'm going to throw over to you. What's something you do to not beat yourself up? Okay. What you're mentioning right now, it's uh, what you're describing is like you seeing yourself, yeah. which I think it's, it's very, it's, uh, it's quite amusing that we beating ourselves up. Like think we're thinking about ourselves, but we actually, we're not seeing ourselves. That's right. right. And, I, and what you're describing is that you saw yourself, um, in someone else on like in a piece of media and that sort of help sort of, you know, give you back hope of uh, bringing yourself back up or not beating yourself up when you actually have a compassion for someone else, when you see someone else oh, going through the yeah. same thing. Um, so yeah, that's like actually what I do a lot. I mean, you know, you we talk, we, we talk about my Twitter feed and how I'm like always <laughs> deep diving into like, 
bubble to bubble, uh, you know, story after story. And I'm sort of like trying to see myself in everybody or like in everything mm-hmm. or like pieces of myself. Not every, not like me completely, but pieces of myself. I think that's really, uh, I really recommend that because it can humble yourself um, and sort of like see, knowing that everything that you're feeling right now, is not, it doesn't have to be content. Like it doesn't have to be inside this like vessel all the time. It can actually be all around you. And then once you see it all around you, it actually is a little bit more deliberating. And that music means it's time for our final break. Another pause with the Bubbleheads on beating ourselves up. When we come back, representation, connecting, and more ways we practice self-compassion. If you want to leave a comment, if you want to ask a question, email me, liana at nottherapyshow.com or the contact form on nottherapyshow.com, Twitter, Instagram, at nottherapyshow. I want to hear from you. The Bubbleheads want to hear from you. We want us in your bubble. And now we got to go to break. Be right back. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy, our final segment on our show, our first show about beating ourselves up. And I am here with the Bubbleheads. The Bubbleheads are the It's Not Therapy community facilitators. We call our groups Bubbles, hence Bubbleheads. And we were talking before the break about connecting, feeling represented, feeling seen, and how that connects to self-compassion. And therefore, you know, self-esteem cannot exist without self-compassion top 10 phrase. Self-compassion means we beat ourselves up less. And I do think, you know, getting into this idea of examples and that connection that Moy brought up uh, you, um, is really important. There are other ways to get that connection. So I don't want anybody to feel like there's only one right way. And Akila, you got something to add? How do you not beat yourself up? Well, uh, you know, I'm almost the opposite of Moy. Um, instead of seeing things as encapsulated bubbles, I see the network of how things are linked and how they feed Mm. into each other. Mm. Uh, um, You know, my unhealthy coping habit is uh, failure, what they call a failure autopsy. I pick it apart and pick it apart and pick Mm. it apart until there's nothing left to learn. Which is a great Um, way to get stuck. Yes. And I did that for a long, long time. And... Um, now seeing the network and how things are interconnected is still helpful. I just had to grow past, you know, getting stuck in the autopsy. Now, as for who, you know, the person that I connected with, that was Ripley from Aliens. Nice. Nice. Yes. Nice, man. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and that has stuck with me and stuck with me. If you, if there's something that's really threatening you blow it up shoot it in the face um one of my uh one of my army buddies god's lover um one day she said you know and she was talking to my male self you know years ago she said duncan you're subtle as a shape charge (laughs) (laughs) and that's why we get along yeah (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, little, little tiny package, but I will absolutely get to the heart of something 
regardless of how much armor is around it. <laughs> That's what I do. Now, a shape charge in real life does a lot of destruction. I try and focus that energy into, you know, you know, giving unhealthy things a way to get out so right. that they're not trapped. And that that's actually been really helpful for me. And uh, another one of those things that helps me a lot is helping someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not as right. intrusive. It's not as intrusive to myself. You know, I can enjoy helping somebody, which is, you know, I have a heart of service. I think that's why I lasted so long in the army. Um, but helping someone else helps me to work through my own stuff without the judgment of, you know, oh, you're doing this wrong. You're you're helping someone else to find their way and help find my own way. Totally. Now, now how do you stop what, what we call perseveration or rumination as the technical term? That autopsy, because I know I... I like postmortems. It gives me a sense of control and a sense that I can move on, but I have my techniques. I wonder what yours are. Um, well, I, I have an external backstop. Uh, the, ah. lovely, the lovely wife knows when I'm stuck in a recursive loop and, you know, I am absolutely so freaking lucky to have her in my life. Uh, she's like, Hey, are why do you keep coming back to this? Mm. And that's really, you know, just that, hey, are you're stuck in a loop. Are you okay? See, and that's something I have to watch because I don't tend to listen when I'm stuck. Oh. You know, there was, there was a time, uh, it was right after my third deployment, uh, I came back and I was messed up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to no one's surprise, I carry, I carry weapons mm-hmm. on a, on a daily. And we call you arm Aquila for a reason. Yes, <laughs> yes ma'am. Yeah. Um, Armed auntie for people who wonder what, uh, what arm tea means. But um, I'd come back and I was really messed up because mm-hmm. my, my boss at the time was harassing me. And I, I was absolutely at my limit where I was not going to unalive myself, but unalive someone else. Bro, okay. Yeah, that's how bad it was. And um, because I was doing a lot of photography, there was no, there was no separation between what I was doing downrange and what I did at home station. So I didn't have that psychological trigger that, I'm not, I'm not in a combat zone anymore. Right. And it got to the point where I was so messed up. I was sleeping with a gun under my pillow and Oof. another one on the, on the nightstand. So you can do a wield like Lara Croft? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> my, my logic was the one on the nightstand is a decoy. Oh, <laughs> wow. So you were that structured in the sense of threat. Uh, well, I mean, when I talked about, like, I'm a bundle of complex PTSD, mm-hmm. yeah, because 
that was triggering all the things from the attack and it just it just piled up right 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 and one day she said duncan you're not right and i don't know how to help you and she was she was at her wits end she said you need to get help and i need you to put those down and i wasn't physically holding them but so i had built enough trust between her and me that I knew that if she was asking me to give up something that meant so much and helped me so much in terms of being stable, that I secured my weapons and it took about six months for me to get back to a place where I could carry again. And I know that if it ever gets to that point again, I know that when she asked me, She's asking me from a place of love mm-hmm. and wanting to help. And we have under a minute left, so we're going to pause this conversation until next week. I think this has been great. Thanks, Mary Jess, Jake, Moy, and Akila. You can catch these guys back next week on It's Not Therapy. We're going to continue this conversation. Until then, I want your comments. I want your questions. Leanna at nottherapyshow.com. L-I-A is in Nancy A at nottherapyshow.com or the contact form at not uh, at nottherapyshow.com or Twitter, Instagram. I've been neglecting those badly lately, but I will get back on the horse at nottherapyshow. Oh boy. Okay, yeah, good time for me to stop. Uh thanks everybody again. More news and coming soon about the bubbles and the bubble heads. Until then, you're crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. Talk next week. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.